Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, get your Bibles out, get your apps out, get your notes out. We're going to jump in. We're in a brand new series today. It's called Breakthrough because last weekend we got everybody ready. All of our campus pastors said, you can do this. This can be your best year ever. How many had a good week? Okay, we're going to work on that. This is going to be our best year ever. And we want to talk about breakthrough. So it's a brand new series, and that's why we're doing an all-campus broadcast. We're going to kick it off together. And when we talk about breakthrough, we want to talk about this whole area of prayer and unleashing God's power in and through your life. Now, prayer is a rather fascinating topic, and so I just want to address it here a little bit this morning. For some of us, prayer is one of those areas that we only participate in when we come to the meal, right? So we, we pray, and everybody is sort of accustomed to that, and we go, well, this is what prayer is. And so you close your eyes, you bow your head, unless, of course, you're at the restaurant, and then you're in that awkward zone. Because what do you do? What if people are watching you? How do you do that? And so you, you have to adjust to what prayer is like in that moment. And if you're at home with people and you're praying, you go, okay, well, praying for the meal is okay. But have you ever been in one of those prayer for the meal times when people reach out for your hand? And you go, oh, no. Because I wash my hands. And now we're going to hold hands and we're going to pray. And, and if you're an introvert, that, you just crossed a threshold of uncomfortableness to a whole other level. And now you're going, okay, so now. So for, but for some people, prayer is an activity that is primarily relegated to the time of a meal. Now, there are others. You don't have to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask anybody to do that. There are others when I talk about prayer. Prayer is like your, well, God's your genie. Let's go this way. You pray so that you can move God towards your perspective in life. Are you following me? God, if you're listening to me right now and you make this work in my life, you know I'm going to serve you even more. So when you're at the 7-Eleven at the Mac store and you see that lottery 649 and you go, I know, I know, nobody ever wins those things. But God, you know, if you and me partner together, we could do a really good thing. And you whisper the prayer yeah, you know where this one is going. And we use God that way. And we use God like a genie. Like maybe it's just those moments that if God will lean into my success, then that's what prayer is. And then there's a whole group that prayer is really just your 911 crisis management resource. You, you don't pray unless you're in a crisis mode. And we would never admit that because we would say, no, I'm a person of prayer because we do a lot of introspection and we think. But our prayers are really more limited to when we're in those crisis moments and then all of a sudden we're praying, oh God prayers? You know the ones? Okay. So we get into that mode and we pray. And a lot of us, when it comes to this area of prayer, we have some of that background. And then there are another group of people. And you know who you are. Prayer is deeply intimate, deeply personal. And you've already transitioned and moved into the realm of what prayer looks like. What we want to do in the series is we're going to start from foundation and move our way into depth. We want to understand prayer so that everybody's on the same page together. 
I want to make sure that you understand why we even talk about prayer. Why is it important for us? And what benefit is it going to provide to your life? So when we're talking about prayer, many people are really confused when it comes to the concept of prayer. And I, I was thinking through, what is it about prayer that creates confusion for people? So for some, there's, there's genuine doubt. There's, if I pray, I, I'm just not sure that God hears my prayers. And there's this doubt gap that you try to build across the chasm and you're going, God, I, I want to pray and I want to believe. And we even see this in the Bible where there are those that help my unbelief. And so there's this whole belief part of us that goes, if I pray, does God hear me? And does God answer my prayer? What does that look like? So there's the doubt. So there's a group of people that you're in there and that's where confusion comes from. Others are disappointment. You have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And it just seems like God hasn't answered that prayer. And as we pray, and the longer we pray, and the more time that passes, because we tend to live within the finite, within the temporal, so the more time that passes when it comes to this whole area of prayer, if a specific prayer isn't answered, we start to build elements of disappointment into our life. And that causes us to back off a little bit. And I want to address that. We're going to look at deeper into this as we go through the series here. Because there are doubts, there's disappointments, there are people, when it comes to prayer, it's the purest understanding of this word, ignorance not knowing what it is. Is prayer me shouting at God? Is prayer me just thinking about thoughts towards God? Is prayer just when we come together in a corporate setting? What is prayer? Why are we gathering together before a service? For Why would we do that? And so for some, it's truly ignorance. And then others would have confusion because they believe it's just indifferent for them. They go, God's going to do what God's going to do, and it's really not going to affect my life, and if I do what I'm going to do, and we both have this understanding, we're just going to navigate through life together. There's this myriad of confusion when it comes to the realm of prayer. And while we may individually have a perspective, what we want to have is corporately an understanding of what prayer is and why prayer is so important, because here's what we discover in the Scripture. When we as individuals understand and engage in prayer, and when God's community engages in prayer. God releases breakthrough miracles into our midst. And there's power both in our personal lives and in our corporate lives or our community lives together. That's why prayer is so important, so foundational. And regardless of what you believe about prayer, we're going to challenge maybe some of those positions and we're going to build new understanding as we go into this. And I am convinced that most of us would agree that in our personal lives, there's, there's room for growth. Would you not agree with that? I, I think we could all grow in the area. And some of us, if we were really honest about this, you go, uh, there's not a little bit of room, Doug. There's like ample room because I just don't pray to the level that I hear other people talk about. So here's the disclaimer this morning. No shame. All right? Everybody good? No comparisons. No shame. I remember as a kid when I grew up in church, they would have Wednesday night prayer meetings. I don't know if any of you remember those. They would have this prayer meeting for the adults. And my dad, we were in a small church, and they would drag all the kids to a prayer meeting. That was torture for the adults. You know this, right? So they would drag us out to the prayer meeting, and that's what it was. It was a prayer meeting, not a conversation, not a talk, not a drawing, not a teaching. It was, they just prayed. And I remember they'd drop us on the back row, and there were hard wooden pews. Remember those old pews? And they'd drop us kids on the back row. And you know what we used to do? Everybody, at one point, they would say, everybody down on your knees. And they would turn on their knees, face into the pew to pray. 
And they would begin to pray. And they would, some would pray out loud, and others would pray quietly. And then as kids, well, what do we do? Well, this is covert operation time. We would slither down onto the floor underneath the pews and make our way from the back of the church to the front of the church to the side of the church because nobody should see us anyhow. They should be praying with their eyes closed because that's how you're supposed to pray, right? You're supposed to pray with your eyes closed. And if they saw us, that would, they weren't praying correctly. But it, it deeply impacted me because I remember visions and images of seeing people engaged in prayer. And it was like they knew God personally. And they were connecting to God. And while we were, you know, a little mischievous as kids, it did impact my life that I understood that there was a realm and a dimension to prayer that for many of us, we long to reach, but we often don't get quite to the point that we want to. So my prayer for this is that we won't shame anybody, that we'll all grow a little bit together and we'll get better at prayer. And if you're sitting there this morning and you're sitting there this evening, regardless of which campus you're in today, and you're wondering about this whole area of prayer, I want you just to grow incrementally because I know this could be your breakthrough year. So get your notes out. We're going to follow this through. and We're going to talk a little bit about what prayer is. When it comes to this whole area of prayer... I don't know if you realize this or not, but a few years ago, there was an article that was released that we are, we are hardwired to pray. Now, according to the research, and so I just want to share it with you, Dean Hammer is a PhD. He's a behavioral geneticist, and he's worked at the National Cancer Institute as well as the National Institute of Health, and he focused his research on this. He wanted to determine if consciousness can be explained scientifically. In other words, is there a spiritual dimension to humans that can be explained scientifically. His research rocked our world, so much so that it hit the cover of the Time magazines. Here's what he said, my work is not about demonstrating the existence of God, which is, he maintains, the domain of religion. My work is about showing that spirituality is a real phenomenon that is hardwired into human beings. Fascinating work. So he was looking and saying, can we measure scientifically the consciousness part of our human existence to determine whether or not we're wired up to connect to our creator? And this is the title of his article. It says, The God Gene, How Faith is Hardwired into Our Gene. And his research showed that there is a spiritual expression within humans that we have a creator and we long to connect to him. And that expression for us is what we call prayer. So the next time, let me throw this out here. So the next time you go to the restaurant, maybe later today, and you're going to sit down and you're going to have your meal and you bow your head to pray, don't worry about it. You're hardwired to do it. So you don't have to feel embarrassed. You don't have to just be ashamed. You just go ahead and pray. And if anybody asks you about it, just go, I can't help myself. I was just hardwired to pray. Research has already proven that it's there. Oh, by the way, did you know that according to one of the most comprehensive global surveys that was done, 84% it was, 84% of people in the world believe in spirituality and have a connection to prayer. Now, they may not all be Christians. They come from all kinds of expressions of religion. But 84% of our population believes that there is a deity of some form, and we can connect to our God through an expression called prayer. Well, what does that mean for us who are followers of Jesus Christ? 
Well, that's what we want to dive into because we believe that God is deeply personal and connected to us. And I want to look at an episode because the disciples were so intrigued by this concept of prayer that there was a moment as followers of Jesus that they took a huge risk. And they saw Jesus in a moment of prayer, and one of the disciples doesn't say, and I'm going to give you the text in a moment, doesn't say which one. I'm thinking Peter. He tended to be the impetuous one. But one of the disciples went up to Jesus and said to him, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? They actually asked the question that I would pose most of us want to ask Jesus. Lord, I would, I would love to know how to pray better. Would you teach us how to pray? That's what we're going to start with today. So get your Bibles out. We're going to go to Luke chapter 11, and we're going to go to verse 1. And I want you to see the story, and then we're going to capture some principles together. Here's what it says. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now Luke's passage takes a rather brief approach to what Matthew would give in a fuller context. Matthew kind of did the Netflix, you know, miniseries version, and this is your Instagram version right here. So Luke gives us a synopsis, a real quick synopsis in here, but here's what I want to give you this morning. When the disciples come to Jesus, they asked a very, very powerful and poignant question, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And he didn't sit down and start to run through a whole bunch of principles. He actually said, well, let me tell you how to do it. And he made it so clear and so concise that they could follow this. So in your notes this morning, let me give you a couple of reasons, four compelling reasons why you should pray. Number one, God wants me to talk to him. That should just be a moment that we pause and think about this. Because we can glibly pass over it and go, well, I I know that. No, think about this. The one who created you, The one who breathed life into you wants you to talk to him. Not just think about him, not just wonder if he exists. What Jesus reminds his disciples of, he brings them into this realm of awareness that God wants you to actually talk to him. And when you begin to think about the impact that this has on our lives, it is dramatic because the random sampling of popular opinion when you ask people about God, more often than not, what we do is we posture God in this angry God perspective. God is aloof. God is indifferent. God is removed from us. And so we're always trying to find our way towards God. And yet what Jesus does, he flips the whole thing upside down. He goes, no, 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 no. That's not how you should think about God. God is present and God wants you to talk to him. He wants to be connected to his creation, and he wants to have a personal relationship with his creation. And so for the disciples, when they were listening, they were thinking more theoretical. John's teaching his disciples how to pray. Give us the form. Give us the function. Show us the pattern. And Jesus goes, here, let me show you something that's deeply more personal than this. And he uses a way, and here it is. Look at uh, Luke 11, verse 2, and it's there in your notes this morning. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be be kept holy, or in another translation it says, hallowed be your name. Now watch carefully. What Jesus said rocked their world. 
We don't read it that way because we forget the context of the story. But when you realize they were raised in a culture that was really specialized when it came to prayer. They were raised in a place where often prayer was to the designated elite professionals. It was handled by those who were the priests. It was handled at the synagogues. It was handled at the temple. And whenever it came to this area of prayer, it would always be the ones offering the sacrifices, and it would be the ones performing the rituals who were leading out the prayer. So Jesus' statement has a powerful implication on their concept and their understanding of prayer. And for them, it would be easy to perceive that sacrifices and prayer were often meant to be to ensure that they were still on a good standing relationship with God. Because remember how they did it. They brought sacrifices to the temple. The sacrifices were offered. Prayers were given to God. Music was sung. But it was all contained and carefully orchestrated. So here's Jesus teaching his disciples, and he changes everything. And suddenly, they're beginning to realize maybe their perspective of what prayer is is missing an element because they've always been on the side where they had to prepare themselves Now, according to culture, there was ritualistic washing. There was preparation. You bring an unblemished animal. So everything was about making sure that they were in the right place and they were properly prepared to present themselves to God. I've traveled the world a lot. Many of you have too. And so I've had the privilege of visiting different places of worship. I've been to churches and synagogues. I've been to mosques. I've been to all different kinds of temples. And everywhere that I go, you know one thing that strikes me about all the different expressions of religion? All of them have this mandate that we have to prepare ourselves to be presented before God. There's this sense that unless we're properly prepared to present ourselves before God, God may just zap us if we're not in the right place. You follow me? And so you have this feeling, and I can remember walking in. I walked into some grand cathedrals and some beautiful temples, but there's always this sense that there's, we need to make sure that we're ready and that we're prepared to enter into the presence just to be able to speak to God and go, Doug, why do you mention all of this? We'll go back to how Jesus said when he taught his disciples how to pray. So let me walk you into the context. Luke says it this way, that the disciples saw Jesus praying in a certain place and they said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And so what does Jesus do? He goes, sure. Now, I like to contextualize things a little bit. So I can only imagine, we know that he had his following of disciples. James and John were probably there. And James probably said to John, hey, listen, he's about to teach us how to pray. Take some notes. And John probably said, James, no, you take some notes. And James probably said, no, you're going to be taking notes on the book of Revelation. So why don't you take the notes? Let's just get the notes because I want to know how to do this. And they're ready to go. And John gets his quill out and they go, okay, Jesus teaches how to pray. And he says, okay, here's how you pray. When you pray... Say, Father, hallowed be your name. Stop there for a moment. This flipped their world upside down. They had never heard anybody refer to God as Abba, Father. See, many of us have wonderful concepts of our earthly fathers. We were raised in good homes. We had loving parents. We had good relationships with our father. Some of us didn't. And so whether it was your father or a stepfather or a guardian, if you just hear the word father, that just gives you a little bit of a, a shudder. Jesus uses a word that was familiar and brought a real sense of uh, endearing love into the story. Rather than God who is distant and removed, he begins to teach his disciples, when you pray, I want you to understand something. God wants you to talk to him. And he goes, so when you pray, I want you to say, Dad, 
Father. Bring the relationship close. God isn't angry. God isn't removed. God isn't aloof. God isn't evasive. He's not trying to avoid you. We have all these misconceptions of what God is like. God desperately wants for us to talk to Him. And so Jesus uses language that would bring us into that context where we go, of course, and none of us, with a few exceptions, none of us would hesitate from walking into a room where our earthly fathers are and sitting down and having a wonderful conversation with them. And that's the very image that Jesus was trying to give to his disciples. He goes, you've seen all the other pictures. You know all the other rabbis. Let me change everything for you. We're not living in an era where God is removed. We're in an era where God is there. God is present with you. David understood this. When you look at David, Psalm 103, verse 13, the Lord is like a father to his children. He is tender and compassionate to those who fear him. David was a poet. David was a a musician. David was a shepherd. David was a king. David was a father. He was a husband. And what he understood about God was God was like a father to him. And the relationship that God wants to have with us is not one where it's austere and removed, but rather that it's up close and it's personal, and that we would feel comfort being able to speak to our Father. And so Jesus takes his closest disciples and he ensures that he entrusts with them this understanding that when it comes to prayer, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. God is present. He is with you now. And he wants you to be able to talk to him. That's the wonderful part of the language that we get when we pray. So why pray? Because God does want to talk to us. First John, look at First John 5, 14 in your notes. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we asked of him. John picked up on what Jesus said. And he goes, here's the beauty of prayer, that God simply wants you to talk to him. And when you talk to him, God wants to be able to answer your prayers. Number two, why should we pray? Here's the next compelling reason Jesus puts out there. Because God listens when my prayers are sincere and they're simple. God listens when our prayers are sincere and simple. Why did the the disciples ask Jesus to teach him how to pray? Because everything was formulaic. They were, they were looking for, what do I pray? How do I pray? What posture do I take? What system do I follow in order to have God's hand move on my behalf in my life? And Jesus, again, he comes back with a wonderful presentation. And his words to them are simply this, that when you pray, keep it simple. Keep it sincere. Luke eleven three. here's what Jesus said. When you pray, give us each day the food that we need. Now, how many can pray that prayer? Yes, you can. We often go to prayer and we make prayer far more complicated than what it needs to be. Jesus was reminding his disciples, when you pray, God isn't looking for some high-level conversation where there's confusion and we're masking our words and we're not sure what we're asking for. He says, keep it sincere and keep it simple. Tell God what you need in your life. Pour your heart out to the Father. In fact, he would elaborate. Go back to Matthew and look at it. And he says, if God understands the birds of the air and he understands the flowers of the field and he understands all of his creation and everything that he needs, does he not know what your needs are? So when he instructs them on how to pray, he goes, keep it real simple. Ask him, Lord, you know what my needs are today. Would you provide for today? Here's a challenge, though. We get so caught up in worry that we're already living three months down the road. And Jesus goes, well, why are you worried about that? 
why don't you just bring your conversation back to today? Focus on what your needs are right now and pray in a simple, concise way. Don't pray with words that are prescribed. Don't pray in forms and structures that others have handed to you. He goes, pray from your heart. Pray with sincerity. You're praying to your Father, and your Father wants to answer your prayer. I got thinking about this whole area of praying with sincerity and simplicity. Can you imagine, because you all know Laura, and if you're in the other campuses, my wife Laura, can you imagine if Laura were to come to me, And she walked into the room and she wanted to ask me something. And here are the words that she used. My most benevolent, loving husband to who I am eternally betrothed. Now, I may like that. That may work. But we'd go, she's lost her mind. And I trust you. Trust me. If Laura came into the room and she said those words to me, we would both be going to a therapist together to go, what happened in our relationship? Here's what fascinates me. When I hear people pray, some shift their language into what they think God wants to hear. And I'm going, why do we do that? Why do we do that? God wants us to pray with sincerity and simplicity. He already knows everything. Do we not agree about that? He's smarter than I am. So why should I try to frame words that I think I'm going to impress God with? Because I can't impress him with my words. I can impress God with my simplicity and my sincerity. Because that's what a father loves about a child. In fact, to be truthful as a father, when my son comes in, if the language is too complex and structured, I'm always trying to figure out what's the ask behind the ask. You with me? It's going like, what are you really asking for? How many of us pray that way? We start to structure our language in a way because we don't think God really knows what we're getting at. And so we're using complex language and words and sentences. And and God's going, oh, just, you know, clear the smoke here. Let's get down to the heart of this. What are you trying to ask? And Jesus really brought it down. And I love this about this prayer. Because there's so much in there you can really draw out. But I want to keep it at a level that we can all engage. Because I said all of us have areas of confusion. And I want to bring it to a place that we have even ground to understand. Listen, God wants to hear from you. But God's not asking you to have a PhD in your English. Because he just simply wants you to be able to tell him, what's on your heart? If you read the Psalms, here's what I love about David. David was simple and sincere. God, I'm mad. I love that. In fact, if you read some of the Psalms, it goes, God, I wish you would just destroy some of those people that are against you. And by the way, they're against me too. He prayed prayers that spoke truth to his emotion. He prayed prayers that spoke truth to his circumstances. He kept it simple. He kept it sincere because he understood something. God isn't looking for us to somehow perform a ritual to gain his understanding and his hearing. God already hears. God just wants to know... Keep it sincere. Keep it open. Keep it honest. Let's talk about what's going on. And if we keep our language that way, Jesus invites us into this wonderful understanding that this is what prayer is. And that's the kind of prayer that God listens to. Look at Matthew 6, 7, and 8 in your notes. When you pray, don't talk on and on and on like people who don't know God. I love that. They think that God likes to hear their long prayers. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask. Sometimes we just complicate prayer too much. And Jesus reminds his disciples, if you want to know how to pray, remember, God's waiting to hear from you, 
and just keep it simple and keep it sincere. James 4, 2, it says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. And it's a simple invitation to say, let's be honest and let's pray with sincere hearts. Number three in your notes, go back to this again. So what's another compelling reason that we should learn how to pray? Well, God wants to hear from me and God wants to answer prayers that are really simple and sincere. Well, God reveals his grace to me by answering prayer. And if you look at the scripture and you look at the teaching of Jesus, you realize that God wants to respond to our prayers, and to do so is really an expression of grace. We're not forcing his hand into the story. We're releasing his grace into our life. Here's what Jesus said when you look at Luke eleven four. He said, the simple part of our prayers, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, that we know that God is already answering prayer. He did that by sending his son Jesus. He already forgave our sins. And then it goes on to say that as we experience grace, we, what do we do? We give grace out. So part of the prayer process is that we understand that God is answering prayer and we release our grace to other people around us. Jeremiah 33, 3, it says this, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you marvelous and wonderful things that you could never figure out on your own. I love that verse. Jeremiah reminds us that all we have to do is say, God, I need your wisdom. And God says, I have wisdom for you. God, I need your peace. And God says, I have peace for you. God, I need your strength. I'm going through a really, really difficult time. And God says, I have strength for you. We know what we want to ask God for. But often what we want is for God to read our mind rather than for us to simply ask our Father for what it is that we need. All of us in the room and all of us in all of the campuses today, there is something in your life right now where you need God's intervention. You've thought about it over and over and over. You've wrestled it down. You've thought through all the different angles. My question to you is simply this. Have you asked God for what it is that you need right now? For those of you that are going through real difficult health situations in your life and you're God, God, I just need healing. You know you need healing, right? Have you asked God for healing? Because James reminds us, you don't have if you don't ask. And your father wants to respond to you. You're going, well, yeah, but if God knows what I need, why doesn't God just step in? Because it's a relationship. How many of you are married? How many of you would like your spouse to read your mind? (laughs) Not always. (laughs) Let's be honest, not always. But we act like that, don't we? So if we're married and we're in a relationship and I want something from my wife or if I'm upset with my wife, we can project moods and feelings and impressions. But if I don't speak and tell her what it is I'm thinking, how is she supposed to know what it is that I need? And you go, yeah, but God's greater than that. Yes, he is. Sure he is. But he brings it to a level where we can relate to God. And he operates with us at the level of our understanding and our ability to interact with God. And God simply goes, I want to answer your prayers and I want to pour grace into your life. And if you'll call to me, I will show you marvelous things. Matthew seven eleven in your notes. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Notice the word again, ask, ask. So God wants to answer our prayers, and God will give grace into our lives. But he does want us to have a relationship with him. And it makes perfect sense, because we operate the same way, and God is just going, listen, 
I love to answer prayers, and my grace is going to be here in your story. And for a lot of us this year in 2019, we're going to start to see the grace of God work in our lives. But these are foundational truths that we need to get into our story so we can experience the marvelous grace. Number four in your notes, the next compelling reason to pray, and this takes us all the way to the back end, God desires to be close to me. We started off by talking about how God wants to hear from me. But I want to bring it back this way because this is the part for a lot of us that we miss. God wants to be close to you. It's always been his desire. From the very foundations of time, God has always purposed in his heart that he would be close to his creation, particularly to those that he treasures and he loves. Luke eleven four, we read these words when it says, and Father Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and do not let us yield to temptation. And I love that phrase. Because that's deeply personal, and that's an invitation for God to be close to us. How many have ever been tempted? Yeah, that's kind of a daily thing, isn't it? And Jesus said, when you pray, do not let us yield to temptation. In fact, then you go over and you, you pick up where Paul speaks, and Paul says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to men. And when you are tempted, God is faithful, and he will provide what? a way out so you can stand up in the midst of your temptation. What does that speak about? Connect the two dots together. Jesus taught his disciples, Father, lead us not into temptation. Help us to not yield in temptation. Paul says, and by the way, did you know that in the middle of your temptation, God is there? Most of us think God's gone. Most of us think that God's not in that moment. And so we're feeling guilty and we're struggling with what we're tempted with. And the beautiful part, Paul says, no, 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 God's right there. He's your champion. He's already cheering you on. He goes, I've got a way out for you right now. You don't have to give in to this temptation. And the beautiful part of Scripture is we're being reminded again, God desires to be close to me, both in my joy moments and in my challenging moments, in my temptation and in my successes. God wants to be close to us. Psalm 145, verse 18, it says, He is near to those who call on Him, to all who call on Him with sincerity. Again, it comes back to these words. If we call on God and we live with a sincere faith and a sincere life, God wants to be in our story. Did you know that prayer is the one expression that we have that keeps us from being spiritual orphans? Prayer keeps you from being a spiritual orphan. And many of us live as orphans, wanting to know who God is. And God said, I never designed it that way at all. I want to be there with you. And prayer is our invitation to say, God, would you be with me all the way through my life? Now, in a few moments... We got a card, and everybody should have received a card today when you came into the service. All of our campuses, these were distributed, or they're going to be distributed in the service today. And I want you to take this card, and I want to hold it in your hands for a few moments. I'm going to come back, and I explain what we're going to do with this. But here's the challenge. God says in his word, come close to me, and I will come close to you. So the gap between my experiencing God in my life and God's presence in my life is all in my control because God is there. He's close to us. So if God is there and the gap between my experiencing the presence of God and his involvement in my life is connected through prayer, what are you going to do differently this year to close the gap? Because prayer is what brings God into my story and into your story. And prayer isn't ritualistic. It's not complex. It's not elusive. 
Jesus was so clear about this. Prayer is a conversation with your Father. It's trusting Him with your daily needs. It's watching Him pour His grace into your life through answered prayer. And you experiencing His presence in a way that you never knew was ever possible. Prayer can be your breakthrough this year. And it can release God's power in your life. And I want that for all of us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, right now, at all of our campuses, we just pause to pray. And we do this, and we intentionally choose the word Father. Because there's a lot of confusion when it comes to how do we approach you. But Jesus made it so clear that when we walk to you in relationship through him, we have access into the heavenly place where you are. And you're here. And so, Father, would you help us as individuals that this would be a year that we would grow in the dimension of prayer like never before, that we'd realize that, God, you're for us, not against us, that we don't have to try to find you. You're already present. So may we grow and strengthen our prayer language. May we experience you in ways that we never knew before. And for some who are just exploring faith and maybe new to this whole understanding of who you are and your love for them. May prayer be the beginning of the relationship for them as well. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page. And you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC. 